Hey everybody, it's Ed. Hopefully this is the last time I have to do one of these uh, little pre-episode recordings. Yeah, this episode, uh, audio is a little wonky. We are still working through a lot of that. Uh, I accidentally forgot to turn the gain down on my microphone before recording, and my guest forgot to plug in his microphone. So, you know, his is all laptop speaker, laptop microphone. So it's not terrible, but it's not great. So please bear with us. Uh, this probably won't happen again now that I've sorted my microphone out and we'll have people on in the future that actually know how to use microphones. So other than that, uh, enjoy the episode. Also, we have a little bonus at the end. The guys from False Starts uh, podcast that looks at movies that were supposed to start franchises but kind of failed they uh they chime in at the end uh they unfortunately weren't able to record with us at the time because they live in england so time zones are a little uh different Uh, other than that enjoy the episode and welcome to Unaired, the show where we take TV shows that were canceled with episodes left unaired, review them, and then pitch our ideas for how we think they could have continued. I'm Ed. I'm John. And this week, we watched yet another attempt to remake a British TV show. We watched Pain, which is, I believe, the third attempt to remake Faulty Towers in America. So this show aired in 1999 on CBS. It only aired eight of its nine episodes. The last one never aired. And it sh- uh, it stars John LaRoquette in the uh, title role of Royal Payne, who is basically Basil Fawlty. A little bit more about this show. John Cleese gave this show his blessing. What? John Cleese, yeah, creator of the original Fawlty Towers, star of Fawlty Towers, gave this show his blessing. Did he watch it? Apparently. So, uh, yeah, you know, let's get all on up in here. So the episode, uh, the recording that we watched of it, it starts off like mid laugh track. So I assume somebody made a joke immediately and then they just cued the laugh track. And then that's when Breeze, the maid, comes by and says that, uh, that room 812 took the robe. And Royal, Royal Payne, he says, oh, I love the robe charge. Where else can you uh, buy a $14 robe and charge $75 just because you slapped a logo on it? And Breeze brings a box of stuff for the lost and found and goes through it with him. She says, I found this hat. And he goes, lovely. This book, Danielle Steele is not a book. Might as well read the hat. And this pin, and a thong from the man in 212. So he takes the pin, hides it in his safe, and he calls Mo over. Mo is, I, f- I think he's the bellhop. They never really, like, explain it. And he gives all that stuff to Mo, the rest of the stuff in the Lost and Found, and says, here, send it back to your country. This book for your national library, this thong for your sister. 
and this hat for your mother. That's when we get the whole title sequence. And then when we come back from the title sequence, Royal is standing looking at a mirror, and he says, you deserve a better life. And his wife, Constance, get it? Royal pain and Constance pain? Ha ha ha, so funny. Jokes. Yeah, so she says, what does this remind you of? And he says, aging Ken and Barbie. And she says, no, today is... And he goes, the first day of the rest of your life. And then she replies with, or perhaps your last. It's okay, I've had enough. And he assumes, oh, it must be her birthday. Happy birthday. And she goes, it's our anniversary. And he goes, oh, gotcha. Now you're going to run around town like a madman, trying to find the first ceramic clown you find as a birthday present for me. And he... It's like, no, I have your present. I have your present. Don't worry about it. And as, as he's leaving to go get her present, she goes, hold on, give me the car keys. And he's like, damn. So he goes into his little uh, safe where he keeps all the good lost and found stuff. And he uh, grabs the pin. And he gives that. Or he's going to give that to Constance. And then some guy walks in with a box of fish. And it's their fish supplier. And he, he's like, I told you not to come through the front door. And the fish guy freaks out like, oh, everybody else gets to go in through the front door. And Royal says, everybody else doesn't smell like fish. Keep in mind, this entire time, this, been, this is like five, six minutes into the episode. John and I watched this together. John, how many times did you hear me laugh? I heard a slight chuckle. Yeah, there was a slight chuckle. I heard a lot of me saying, why are we doing this? Yeah, there was a lot of that. And as a, so back to the episode, as Royal is walking in to the room where Constance is in, he goes, where's the luckiest woman in the world? And she says, under Denzel Washington. And that was where I, I, I had the first chuckle. I only had two chuckles. Everything else was just dead silence. Shout out to James Wan. So he gives her the pin. She loves it. She goes away. And then a woman named Carol comes through the front door and says, Hey, I checked out earlier and I lost my pin. Uh, it was given to me my, by my grin. Carol. Continue. Oh, my God. That's getting cut. <laughs> that was way too delayed. <laughs> you can just edit it to be a I'm very tired. So Carol, a woman who checked out earlier, walks through the front door and says that she lost her pin. And Royal's basically like, oh, don't worry, we'll just question the help about it. And like points at the points at Breeze. And she explains, you know, it was given to me by my grandfather and my grandfather got it from J. Edgar Hoover. And then Royal makes a cross-dressing joke and she offers a thousand dollar reward if they can find it. He makes her a drink at the bar and says, if J. Edgar could find a size 22 ball gown, we can find the pin for you. So his whole demeanor has changed. He's super keen on giving her the pin because he wants that thousand dollars. And he tells Mo, I need you to run upstairs. And at this point, Mo just starts booking it up the stairs. And then he goes, Mo, come back here. Yes. Anything else? I need you to go to my room, go to my armoire and get the pin. 
and bring it back down here. So he goes to do that. And Breeze is just like, I think what you're doing is despicable. Royal says, that's a big word. Despicable. That's a big word for a girl who just lost her job. And Breeze goes, you know what? I'm going to Mrs. Payne. That's a big move for a girl who just got a raise. That gave me a little that was, chuckle. That was the one comedy. That was the one comedy. The single comedy of Allowed. the episode. Yeah, the single comedy. So, uh, Constance comes downstairs. And throughout this whole thing, Carol's there too. And Royal puts his hand over the pin. And he tries to go like, oh, yeah, it's been 19 years. It's our anniversary. It, can you believe it's been 19 years since I grabbed this breast for the first time? Still as firm. And Carol's just like, oh, cool, great. And she's like, I'm uncomfortable. Please leave. Pretty much. That's how I felt. And Constance is just like, let's go upstairs. I want to give you your anniversary present. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And... As they're going upstairs, Royal's like super excited. Then he's like, oh shit, Moe's in the room. So he books it in front of her and starts screaming, Mo, Mo!" And Constance is very confused. And he explains, oh, it must just be temporary Tourette's. Mo, Mo, bitch, bitch. And she, Constance, for some reason, thinks this is foreplay. So she goes, is, it, is this some weird kind of foreplay? Okay, I can get into this. Dirty daddy, lick my shoes. And at this point, John turned to me as I was taking my notes and said, do you realize you just literally wrote down the sentence, dirty daddy, lick my shoes. Mm -hmm. And that was when I hit rock bottom in my life. So Mo is still in the room because he hasn't been able to get out, but we don't know where he is. It's presumed that he's in the armoire and uh, Mrs. Payne is going to get her uh, sexy lingerie. And he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'll get it for you. I'll get it for you. And he opens the armoire. Moe's not in there. So he's like, oh, whew, good. He's gone. And he says, so do you want to use my bed or yours? She says, let's use your bed. And as he lifts up the covers, Moe is hiding under the covers. And he's like, please get me out of here. And they use this like little like changing folding door thing to kind of like sneak him out. It's like a Victoria in era changing thing yes literally what i just said i'm sorry i wasn't paying attention that's fine you added victorian era i'm not sorry so he gets out of there and we cut to commercial which by the way the recording of this had all the commercials intact from its original airing and God, it's so weird seeing stuff like that. There was a very strange C CGI Spider-Man jumping out of a Dodge car, and I did not know what to expect. And then we come back to commercial. Come back from commercial, sorry. And a couple says, oh, Mr. Payne, you, your uh, brochure says that there were seals on the beach, but we didn't see any. And uh, Royal grabs the brochure, looks at it, he goes, oh, tough, and walks away. No, 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 you forgot to mention that throughout this episode... He has index cards with responses. So he has parsed an entire dialogue tree for every possible thing that somebody could say to him. Is that what that was? That's what I would assume is what that was. Okay, I thought that was like little brochures he just pulled out of his sleeve. No, those were index cards. Oh, Jesus. 
Do you think maybe he couldn't get his lines right, so they made him take these index cards? I don't know what kind of quirk that was supposed to be. Granted, I've never seen Faulty Towers in its entirety, so I don't know if this is something from Faulty Towers. I don't think it is, though. If it was something from Faulty Towers, I would assume they did it right. So, Mo, uh, he managed to sneak the pin out of uh, the Payne's room, and he goes to give Royal the pin and stabs him in the hand with it by accident. And Royal's like, ow, oh, that hurt bad. By the way, Mo sounds Mo is a very like stereotypically racist character characterization. Is he's got a very thick accent. I don't know what country he's supposed to be from, but he has a very thick accent and is very like it comes across very racist. But he's like, Oh, did that hurt bad? And Royal says, Oh, just a little more than this, and he smacks Mo in the face with a spatula. And Breeze comes by and is like, oh, you found the pin. I'm going to tell Mrs. Payne about this whole thing, about the whole $1,000 reward. And Royal says, Mo, put her in the freezer. And as uh, Mrs. Payne starts walking in, Mo hides the pin by throwing it over his shoulder and into a pot of soup. I, I would just like to say that this show would be over with a single call to OSHA. Pretty much. So when Mrs. Payne gets there, she says, oh, I lost the pen. And if I can't find it, I'll kill myself, which, you know, bit drastic. And Royal turns around to grab the uh, pen out of the giant pot of soup to, like, hide it and give it to the lady, Carol, that's offering the reward. But it turns out the chef already served the soup. So Royal goes into the kitchen, starts rifling through guests meals trying to find it and at one point he uh takes some lady's soup pours it onto a plate goes oh yeah it'll cool it'll cool quicker that way i'll be back to bone your tuna and then there's like a weird pause as if it was supposed to be like an innuendo which like i've never heard that and i don't think that's a real innuendo i think they just said oh bone is in this this will be a good funny John, do you think you would ever, in your life, say to a woman, "Yeah, let me, I'll, I'll bone your tuna"? I mean, I don't think that's what you say to somebody that you respect. I think that's what you say when somebody's got a stink. <laughs> that's not the direction I thought that would go in. Okay, so, <laughs> so he sees a uh, Carol, and she's eating some soup. And he sees the pin very obviously in her spoon to the point where I don't know how she didn't notice it. But he goes, oh, look, a naked Olympian. And he grabs the pin out of the spoon, dumps it in like a pitcher of water to rinse all the soup off and goes, oh, I found it. And she goes, thank you so much. Oh, no, thanks. Necessary. The reward is enough. And then we cut the commercial. We come back and she writes the check for a thousand dollars. And... Constance is coming down the stairs going, oh, I've lost it. The uh, Carol's like, oh, what's what's going on? And Royal says, oh, she she just lost her medication. Oh, I should stay to help. I'm a registered nurse. So am I. Goodbye. And like kind of like nudges her at the door. And as Carol gets in her car, the pin falls off of her and onto the ground. And Royal says, you know what, Constance? 
I know you love that pin, so we're going to offer a $500 reward to anyone who could find it and bring it in. And the fish guy from the beginning, who it turns out his name is Larry. We only find that out because his truck says Larry's fish. He sees it and he picks it up. And right as Larry's walking in, Royo bumps the reward to $1,000 to try and impress his wife. Larry comes in and Breeze is just like, oh, why don't you tell him about the reward? And he goes, oh, there's a reward? Yeah, there's a $1,000 reward. Oh, great. And Royale goes, I can't imagine this getting any better. And Carol walks back in and is just like, oh, that's my pin. Well, no, it isn't. This was an anniversary gift. No, that's my pin. I was here earlier. And then uh, we we talked about this, John and I, when we saw it, because we couldn't tell what exactly happened. But it seems as though Constance goes over and squeezes Royal's testicles. And that's how the episode ends. So we're going to take a quick little break before we go into our pitches. Uh, John, do you have anything to add about this show real quick? Uh, no. Okay. I don't want to have to think about this show anymore, so I'm trying to just get through this. That's fair. Uh, okay, so we'll be right back. Testing. Can anyone hear me? My name is Toby, and I'm the host of the Secret Transmission Podcast. We are a show that discusses the paranormal, conspiracies, the supernatural, UFOs, cryptozoology, and anything else weird. Our show is transmitted to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. You can also follow us on Twitter for updates, at Secret Transpod. So get ready to put on your tinfoil hats and come learn with us as we try to explain the unexplainable. So, John, had this show somehow continued, what kind of episodes do you think we would have seen? Uh, you go first, because I'm not 100% prepared. Okay. So, I have an episode. I gave these ones titles, because, you know, I, I was able... Any time that I can think of a pun, that's when I make a title. So, this one's called A Painful Reunion, in parentheses, A Bad Run In, because, like, in, like, I-N-N. Anyways, so this one is a crossover with... The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, the hit Disney Channel television show. Which, essentially, when you think about it, kind of is Faulty Towers for children. Oh, and Estevan can get along with the other, uh... Yeah, that's in the episode. Good old Esteban Julio Ricardo Montoya de la Rosa Ramirez. You didn't do the accents. You gotta, you gotta do the accents, John. It's Esteban I... Julio Ricardo Montoya de la Rosa Ramirez. I, I'm not good at accents. You gotta roll your R's. They're not round enough. So the whole crew... The whole crew from uh, Payne goes to a New York convention for hotels. It's called Hotel Me About It. But not like... Ho- There's gonna be a joke like where he says like, Ho, tell me about it. And Constance is just gonna be like, What'd you just call me? Get it? Because like a ho. Anyways, so while they're there... Royal runs into his old rival, Mr. Mosby, who is the manager of the hotel in Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. And Mosby keeps bragging to Royal about how, like, oh, you run this stupid little inn, and I run one of the most successful hotels in the world. And Payne is just like, I've had enough of this. We're going to have a hotel off. You know, in my head, 
there's just a group of uh of royals rivals and they have jackets royals rivals is what it says on the back too it's stitch on and mosby is like the head it's kind of like scott pilgrim with the seven eagle x's see i was thinking like the sharks and the jets from west side story like they're gonna come in like snapping like when you're in tipton anyway (laughs) uh so they have a hotel off which is basically like hotel related tasks that they compete like compete in like okay who can change the sheets on this bed quicker who can like race to bring this room service up faster who can bring in the uv light quicker that's one that (laughs) huh oh boy oh wait that could have been an episode i you just helped me think of a impromptu episode pitch but i'll get into that after scared (laughs) you don't want to hear it after you said uv light anyways so mosby wins and royal is just like uh, mosby's like bragging to him like i win i win i win and royal is just like okay but like you're single and i have a wife and and Mosby's like that was a low blow, but okay. So, the B story of this is going to be Mo, the sort of bellhop from Pain, and Esteban Julio Ricardo Montoya de la Rosa Ramirez, the bellhop from Sweet Love Zach and Cody. They meet and they bond because they're both you know bellhops, and that's pretty much that episode. So, what you just basically gave me the idea of with your whole UV light thing is they have like inside edition come to like uh whispering pines, which is the name of the end that Royal owns or manages. I don't know if he owns it or manages it, but anyways, so inside edition comes and does like a whole expose. Like they don't wash their sheets and they like bring the UV light in. They could do something like that. And they, I don't know. They like go, they could like maybe go into like Royal's room and like everything just lights up super bright. John, do you have any any episodes thought of now? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Um, so there, uh, there is a rock and roll festival that's a couple towns over, and there was there was there was a there's a band that's like kind of trying to make it on their own uh and this is their first big gig but they don't plan well so they had to book a room a few towns over and this is how they end up at the whatever this place is called in whispering pines the whispering pines in which they don't actually say in this show in the like title sequence it shows a sign of the whispering pines so that's how you know it but continue uh, so, in typical rock, rock star fashion, uh, they get a little overexcited, and they wreck the room. Uh, and they can't afford all the damages. So, we find out that, uh, well, first off, one of the, the, uh, the bassist in the band injures his, his play in hand during this whole debacle. Uh, and Royal, we find out, knows how to slap at a bass. I was so, really hoping, I heard, when you said the bassist injures his hand, I was really hoping this is where you'd go with that. This is 100% where I was going with that. So, for this festival, 
there's a prize. So Royal has to work with them and uh, and basically bond with the band. And it, at the very end, you, you think, oh, man, they're all good friends. Then he's like, pay up, bitches. That does seem like a very royal thing to do. So my next episode is called A Royal Problem. Because, like, royal. Anyways. So the ambassador of Canada is supposed to be visiting the United States. I don't know if Canada... That is literally the most pitiful whistle I've ever heard. It started out strong, and then it sounded like it was struggling. Uh, Unlike this show, it just struggled the entire way through. (laughs) You're not wrong. So, I don't know if Canada has an ambassador, but, you know, for the the, uh, sake of this pitch, it will. So, the ambassador of Canada is supposed to be visiting, and he books a room at the Whispering Pines. And there's a mix-up, because somebody else who checks in is accidentally given a key to the ambassador's room. And, like, they think he's the ambassador, and they treat him like royalty and everything. And then the actual ambassador shows up, and he just gets treated like every other guest. Like, they're, like, waiting on the supposed ambassador, hand and foot and everything. The real ambassador comes by, like, hey, um, so, like, my sheets are a little dirty, um and royal's just like yeah the uh washer dryer like three floors down have fun like stuff like that and then at the end they find out like oh because the guy that is just like wow you guys treat your guests really well here like just like some joe no like some joe schmo nobody like me you're gonna treat really well like i'm gonna recommend this place to all my friends and he's just like what do you mean joe schmo nobody and then the uh, real ambassador of Canada is going to be right behind him like, ahem. Yeah, so that's pretty much my last pitch. Now, John, you said you had a series finale. I do. Why don't you uh, get all up and on that bad boy? All right. So, gambling is legalized in wherever this area is if it was if it already was then for the purposes of this pitch it wasn't they relocate uh so gambling is legalized so royal tries to hop on that train and uh he buys a bunch of equipment and uh they go into a little bit of debt to do so thinking oh this is going to work itself out. Uh, and another member of Royals Rivals happens to be a police cop man. And he shows up and informs them that they're being shut down for not having permits. I just like the fact that this one-off stupid goof, the Royals Rivals, comes back. It wasn't going to, but I once once... Once it, Once it was established, like, the cop was coming in either way in this pitch. Now it's just, it's better. Now he's part of that. Now he's part now of there's um, more, Mosby's. there's more oomph behind it. There's some more oomph, yes. Continue. Uh, so, I forgot where I was. Oh, yeah. He shuts him down and says, you have to pay this fine. Uh, 
they're already in debt, so they can't afford the fine. And the uh, they basically have to shut down for good. And then uh, the Royals' rivals buy it out for their headquarters. And there's a spinoff of the Royals' rivals. Just, uh, just messing with Royal in tiny little ways now, because they they've already got the ultimate revenge or whatever they were looking for out of this whole group. So they just, uh, they, like, light a poop on fire and put it in front of his door. And, you know, just a little stuff like that. They, uh, they prank call his house. They, uh... They kidnap his dog. Uh, yeah. So essentially, they turn into a college fraternity? Exactly. <laughs> All they, right. It's even better, because they already got the Letterman jackets. That's true. The RRs. What's the Greek letter for R? I, I couldn't tell you. All right, so then the fraternity bit doesn't work. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I could see that. Maybe like John Cleese shows up. He actually was supposed to come on as a guest at one point, but you know, the show never like lasted. So like, maybe that's where he shows up. Maybe he's the cop. Oh, and then it turns into a prequel to Faulty Towers. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to take this hotel and push it all the way to England. Exactly. No, they just reestablish. They just make everybody British there. They pass a law that everybody must have British accents. Exactly. All right. So uh, we're going to, after I do these like little plugs and everything, we have some special uh, guests. We have uh, the, the gents from the False Starts podcast. They sent in a few little like, thoughts and a few pitches so those are going to play after i do all the plugs so stay tuned for that uh oh also i was on the wild pitch this week uh i was on a mini episode so go check that out they're on itunes you know just search wild the wild pitch or just go to wildpitchpodcast.com uh it was a fun episode uh we had derek from wild pitch on a few episodes ago so definitely check out his show and check out that mini episode that I was on. And yeah, check us out. We're at Unaired Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Check out our Facebook page and check out our website, unairedpodcast.com. And I think that's it. So I'm Ed. So I'm Ed. I'm John. There it is. And just remember, some things are better left unaired. Hi everyone, Lewis from Full Starts Podcast here. Sorry I couldn't be there in person, but I've just had a baby. So um, I, instead I've prepared this pre-recorded statement with regards to pain, the US remake of Faulty Towers. Uh, if it sounds a bit rough, please excuse that. It, I had to edit it down a bit. It was mostly me sobbing and retching. I mean, good 
God, guys, why the fuck would you do this? This series is so bad. Why, why can't you just leave UK sitcoms alone? I mean, you fucked up men behaving badly. You fucked up space. You fucked up the it crowd. This, this US TV executives, we both speak English. So just air them as they are. People are going to find them. So in retaliation for you ruining one of the best loved UK sitcoms ever, we, the UK, are going to fuck up Hamilton when it comes to the West End, and that's a promise. I mean, the guy's name was Royal Pain. Fucking Royal Pain, as in Royal Pain in the ass. I mean, don't beat around the bush or anything, you know, no subtlety. Why not just call the guy Dr. Dickhead or Captain Cunt? I can't believe John Cleese gave his blessing for this. I mean, I can only assume it was to pay for one of his many, many divorces, but he was married when this came out, this was 99, he was married here and it, you know, his last divorce was in 92, so I, I can't quite figure it out. I mean, it's not even the first Faulty Towers remake either. There was one called Amanda's which starred B. Arthur off of Star Wars Holiday Special fame. It didn't have a Basil Faulty character. The executives wrote him out and it was really slow and poorly written according to John Cleese. And yet it's better than this shit. I mean, luckily enough, like I said, New Baby is a perfect excuse not to watch all eight episodes. So I can take some solace in that I've only had to watch a couple and you guys watched all of them. I mean, sorry. Oh, yeah, a pitch. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this is a pitch for the final episode of the series, because I'm sure the huge pain, pain fans out there are, are furious that the show didn't get a proper ending. So the final episode, my in my pitch, is written by John Cleese and Connie Booth, the original Faulty Towers writings, and the sign in the opening on on you know as as it as it did in Faulty Towers, the sign is rearranged to say, "Her swinging penis, swinging, no G." And the episode follows Royal Pain, <sighs> who has some guests come to stay, and these these guests are Basil and Sybil Faulty, and the comedy comes in the episode from how critical Basil is of the Whispering Pines uh, hotel and he's being caught sneaking around locations he shouldn't be and it ends with the revelation that Basil and Sybil are the owners of the San June Hotel. They own a bunch of hotels around the world now including, you know, Faulty Towers still. They've sort of they run a chain sort of thing in the they've grown in the past twenty years or so. And Basil and Sybil want to buy Payne's hotel. And so he agrees to it, and Basil and Sybil pay him more than the hotel is worth on the condition that he never, ever comes to stay. And that's that's the ending. That's the happy ending for all. The end. No more pain. Serious finale. That's all I've got to say on the matter, really. Um, I've been Lewis from Full Starts Podcast, the show that reviews those movies the studios were sure would spawn a franchise, but didn't. And that branding is as subtle as the jokes in pain. Bye! Hi, this is Dan from the Full Starts Podcast, here to give you my little thoughts on the American version of Forty Towers called Pain. It's very strange as a man who's grown up watching the English ver English version of Forty Towers and that being almost a staple of comedy over here to watch what uh, an American writers and directors would think would translate. To me it's 
I noticed straight off the bat it's quite um, quite bitter. I think there's a well. I think towards the the comedy and the way they they act are very crash. They're very angry towards each other, but there's no actual bitterness between the couple, which was always a driving point of the original Forty Towers. Like they were a very strained relationship and that's kind of missed in this which is kind of sad really there were some hints at the way the UK uh, series went and the way this went like very very you can see the almost the 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 beginningness I guess wrong words really of how the UK one looks like there are hints at how the slapstick is there at how the timing is delivered uh overall i thought the best episode was the third episode i seem to have the most solid writing and the most solid plot and most interesting um but by episode six i became quite bored of the series it it had potential though i thought i thought there was potential to have something fun and interesting here and quite you know maybe maybe a bit more unique than you would half expect it to be although one thing i do have to ask about americans is how how can you watch tv with so many adverts i noticed this on the the first episode i watched there was just so many adverts cut in between it it drives me crazy. We don't have anything like that in England. And to see just a barrage of them every 10 minutes or 20 minutes, whatever it was, was really, really bizarre and jarring. Um, overall, I would actually just say go and watch the original. It's much more funny. It's much better timing. And just overall a more enjoyable watch, I thought. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Writers tend to be lonely and trapped in their own heads. Daniel Ford and I founded the Writer's Bone podcast so writers could have a place to share those crazy thoughts within them without being thrown into an insane asylum. We didn't want to be stiff, crusty academics or condescending masters clutching their literary secrets like purloined treasure, which is why you'll notice our early episodes are about bacon jam and the worst jobs we've ever had. Sean Tui then had the great idea to interview our favorite authors and screenwriters, and the rest is podcast history. Our mission is to champion authors and screenwriters of all stripes. We offer inspiration or a swift kick to the pen when needed. From authors like Michael Connolly, Nicole Blades, to screenwriters like Doug Richardson and Lexi Alexander. Our interviews give our listeners a bolder understanding of the industry that they're crazy enough to jump into. Um, Sean, you can't mention Doug without hashtag nicest guy in Hollywood. I talked to Gary. It's in the contract he sent over. I'm sorry. We're bound to it. That contract is killing us. Do you know I have to give up my firstborn? I mean, I'm not going to have one. And what I actually gave them was a baby goat wrapped in a blanket like a baby. But that's not the point. Let me go back. Like screenwriters, like hashtag nicest guy in Hollywood, Doug Richardson. You can subscribe to Writer's Bone on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Head over to writersbone.com to check out our original fiction, essays, 
Boneyard discussions, and more. You can also stalk us on Twitter and Instagram at WritersBone and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WritersBone. We look forward to your ears. And in the meantime, Sean, what can people do? Keep writing, everyone. <laughs>